They're the most powerful force in the universe. Now the Borg have the most destructive plan ever to conquer the human race. You have committed acts of aggression against the United Federation of Planets. Target one, the Enterprise. Directed, Deck 9. Jordy, evacuate engineering. Target two, Captain Picard. Your culture will adapt to service hours. We would rather die. The final target, Earth. Earth. On the next exciting episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery, and now Picard and more. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the final episode of season three and the first episode of season four of Star Trek The Next Generation, entitled The Best of Both Worlds, as we continue our Discussing Picard series. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Dude, I am happy to be back. I enjoyed watching this, and I have a lot of notes, so I'm ready to go. Awesome, awesome. And also, on the podcast tonight, we have the Trek storian, John DeShorts. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Been missing some podcasting here for the past month. Uh, some... Some trick cast neglect we've been experiencing, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm um, good, man. I'm excited to talk about this uh, episode. I think, as Cal said, I've made some notes, and I think we have a lot to cover. Yeah, awesome. And last but certainly not least, we have the Stargate story himself, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. I too have been going through withdrawals, but I think I'll be okay now. <laughs> now that we're back, now that we're back to the show. Awesome. Awesome. And guys, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek on CBS, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, all the other Trek stuff that's out there in the in the Trek sphere, Trek universe right now (laughs) in somewhat excessive details. And in addition to talking everything Star Trek. So. Guys, uh, I'll just uh, leave it open to what have you guys been up to? Anything interesting been going on in your worlds lately? I think since we last recorded, we um, recorded a review of the first appearance of River Song on Discussing Who. So I had a ball, like so much fun doing that. So that that's what um, we've done on there. And you and I had a fun talk this weekend with our friend Ryan Stevens about Titans. So that that was kind of like the highlight of my weekend. So that was fun to do. Well, on my end, I actually got a chance to do a speech at a little 15 minute speech at Nerd Night Memphis a couple weeks ago on dealing with toxic fandom, which I talked about on um, at the end of one of our uh, last uh, last few episodes. And that was fun. So I actually got to do that. And if you want to check out what I talked about, you can head over to medium.com slash discussing dash network and uh, check out the article that I wrote there, as well as other articles about all of season two of Star Trek Discovery. Um, yeah, check it out. Toxic fandom in the Star Trek universe. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> so how did it go? So I meant to ask you about that. Well, I'm not a good public speaker, says the podcaster, but... <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I still had a lot of fun doing it, man. I had a lot of fun doing it. And and thanks to James Weekly for 
allowing me to come out there and, and uh, talk a little Star Trek. So it was fun, man. It was fun. Well, the only thing I would add to that is I've read your synopsis or the, you know, the written version that you just pointed everyone to. And if the spoken was as good as the written, kudos to you, my friend. I can assure you the spoken was not as good. As the I, I have faith in you. But come on now. I've seen you on stage before. So there you go. So uh, before we go on, I do want to talk about a few awards that were handed out in the Discovery Arena. So Star Trek Discovery Season 2 wins three Saturn Awards, which include Best Streaming Science Fiction, Action and Fantasy Series, Best Actress in Streaming Presentation, Sonequa Martin-Green, and Best Supporting Actor in Streaming Presentation, which is Doug Jones. And also, that it doesn't end there, Discovery also won an Emmy Award. Uh, Star Trek Discovery wins Emmy Award for Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup. And if you have been watching any of the Star Trek Discovery episodes, you certainly know that Saru's get up slash makeup is pretty impressive indeed. So indeed. Awesome sauce for the guys over there at Star Trek Discovery. Uh, it's pretty, pretty nice to win those awards. Yeah, I agree. And I you know, we may have mentioned this before, but I would be curious to know how long it takes him under, you know, to get into that get up. Yeah, I would not want to sit in that I, chair every morning. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because I've heard stories about Quark and Worf, you know, over the years, and it does not sound fun. No, <laughs> it not, doesn't. Not at all. So, guys, as I ask always, if you're into YouTube, if you have it on your phone, uh, I would definitely tell you just open it up right now. Search for Discussing Trek and hit that subscribe button so you can get all of our episodes that come out via video form on YouTube, as well as other YouTube things we do. We did some of the short Trek reviews, as well as we have a um, Who is uh, Michael Burnham episode up there. So definitely uh, check out our YouTube channel. Give us a subscribe. We'd really appreciate it, guys. But if no one has anything else, we're going to go ahead and go right into our review of the best of both worlds. Anything, guys? I say let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's do it. And before we get into anything, I'm just say right now, guys, this is going to be some spoilers. So <laughs> the statutes of limitations run out on this one. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So Star Trek, the next generation, the best of both worlds. Uh, episode season three, episode 26 or season four, episode one for part one and two, uh, part one originally aired on June 16th, 1990, while the second part of that two parter aired September 22nd, 1990. So responding to a distress call on one of the Federation's outermost colonies, the enterprise arrives only to find a big hole in the ground <laughs> where a town used to be. That's not funny. And discovers the Borg are behind the attack. Getting on to the next episode, having absorbed Captain Picard and his knowledge, the Borg head for Earth, leaving Riker and the Enterprise desperate for an unanticipated way to defeat them. Yeah, we're going to get the high 30,000 high level view, whatever you want to call it, of this episode. And I think I'm going to start with the man, Cal Jones. What do you think? All right. Man? So what did I think? You know what? This 
took me back to probably, well, it took me back to whenever I was 16, 17 years old watching this and, oh, wow, I I enjoyed this. And it made me once again remember why I love Star Trek. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation, not Star Trek Discovery, but Next Generation so much. I love the cliffhanger aspect, and I'll get into more into that later. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Awesome, 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 Kyle. So, Jeremy, John, what, what do you guys think of the episode? High-level view. I think, and I've thought this before when I watched the series previously, this is probably my second most favorite episode. I guess I can group both into one episode. But as far as story and con- content, I, I I I really like this. This is I don't know. I kind of get a DS9 feel from it as well. Interesting. What about you, Jeremy? Well, I think because I watched the whole series in like a reverse order, you know, starting with uh, Voyager and working my way back, it was not what I expected. Like the, the Borg were different than what I expected. So that was a bit of a, a jolt, but it was an enjoyable episode. I really, I really liked it. Um, but it was just, it was just different knowing what the Borg evolve into later on and seeing that first and then coming back to this, it was a bit, it was, threw me off a little bit. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, we'll go ahead and try to dive into some of the details in the episode. I'm happy that everybody took a lot of notes. So <laughs> let's get into it. So the Enterprise gets a distress signal from Jury 4 only to discover that life on the planet has been eradicated. In fact, the colony was a massive crater hole. Um, <laughs> so first I want to ask you guys, did this scene remind you of any other similar things in Trek lore? And I have one specific instance in my mind, but I want to throw it out to you guys first. My first impression, my first thought was uh, like the crystalline entity entity. Uh, when it was a, it attacked Data's home world and there was another world where they just left like the one guy and his wife. Huh? Yeah. Oh, that is a good one. I did not think of that one because that's the one with the house. You're right, 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 right. Oh man, I did not think that's a good one though. That is a really good one. Uh, what I had in mind, it took me back to, and I think Jeremy, you said you just went back through Enterprise. It reminds me of the Zindi attack on Earth in Enterprise, and they showed the scene of I think it was Florida. It was like a big crater. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that that's well, kind of what that reminded me of. And and there was also the land in um the Omega Directive where they actually made the Omega particle on Voyager that was just decimated. Yeah, it blew like a little hole in the planet. Yeah. Huh. Well, Which kind of surprises me. Like it was a big crater from the like from the view from space, but somehow this lab was still standing. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't don't try to pull things. Don't don't try to pull it apart. <laughs> yeah, everything breaks apart when you dig in a little too far, which we might discover on this episode. I don't know. <laughs> Start pulling threads, it's going to fall apart. Oh, just ruin it for me, why not? <laughs> That's what we do here. So it would seem that the Federation is not ready. After all this, in the episode we reviewed two episodes back, Q Who, we get the vision of, you know, the 
the Borg and what they possibly may do to us once they get here. We've had all this time and, you know, it looks like the Federation isn't ready. Um, then we have Captain, Sh- uh, Commander Shelby and Admiral Hanson. Uh, I kind of want to just get your initial thoughts on the whole Shelby debacle. And also, I want to kind of get the, <sighs> do you, well, depending on what your reaction is, I'm kind of assuming what your reaction is going to be, but depending on what your reaction is and would the reaction be the same if she were a guy? Mm. I'm throwing it out there. Mm. Okay, so let me uh, let, let me go first. So I I don't know why, but a lot of times when I'm watching something, it's hard for me to take myself out of the complete context of knowing everything that's happened since. But for some reason, and maybe it was because it, it that cliffhanger made such an impact whenever I originally watched it. I didn't know if she was really a character that was coming in to replace, um, you know, Riker. Because if you look at it from when this was airing and the 80s was notorious for having, you know, your cliffhangers and, you know, especially the nighttime soap operas, they were notorious for having, you know, cliffhangers of, you know, end of end of May. And then, you know, you come back in the fall and you, you know, you pick back up, even though, you know, series kind of do that a little bit today. Um, Star Trek really did this in this episode with uh, Picard. And to add a little bit of weight to that, we've already seen a um, original member of the crew from season one, Tasha Yar. She leaves the show. Yeah. Series two, we see that Gates McFadden. She left the show as Beverly Crusher. You know, yes, she came back. So you've seen main characters coming and going. So I'm thinking really (laughs) and truly watching this is Picard leaving. And is this how they're writing him out? (sighs) So, So to answer your question about her, though, I, I just, I, I thought that maybe he was a little bit hard on her at first. But on the flip side, maybe she had to be different from him if the intent was to make the audience think, okay, well, she's the new number one. She couldn't be totally just like him. She had to have something for them to play off of. And I think that was how they were trying to build it for the audience. So that's my take. Yeah, interesting. And I I, I think the thing that they try to portray in the episode is that they are more similar than different. So it was almost like they were button heads uh, because they were so Bingo. similar, or or at least when Riker b- first became a officer, because he laments to Troy about, you know, and how have I changed since I've been in this position? And I don't know, being on the, the commanding officer on the flagship, you probably are going <laughs> to change just a little bit and I, I think still is mostly for the better but but in any case when you talk about shelby I, mean, I think she was almost too direct and she does some blatant things that would piss anybody off um she freaking goes down to the planet it, it well i say piss somebody off but again do you look at this as initiative or is she just being like a a, a jerk by taking um, data to the planet to survey it before Riker was even up. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of 
that's kind of weird. <laughs> that's kind of weird. But I do see that she has a lot of ambition and drive. I think like some people, they just don't know how to, they don't know how to convey that in a fashion that's not, that's uh, not going to piss somebody off. And I think that's what she runs into a lot. I think she has good ambitions, but she does stuff and doesn't really think it through on how it can affect, you know, uh, other officers. And to me, like to be a command officer, that should be like, that should be part of her training to know how what she does is going to affect other people. But she seems to have no, uh, care or worry about anything she's doing. So it's, it's kind of easy to fault her. But she does come off as pretty harsh at the beginning and, and just clueless as to what she's doing is is wrong. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? So, so here, here, here's the Jonathan babbled on a while about Shelby <laughs> part. <laughs> oh, well, first, minor thing, somebody needs to look into this admiral and his interpersonal relationships because that just seems a bit weird. Uh, Admiral yeah, Hanson, why, why would you say that? Yeah, you did, that didn't that that was more than a I'm grooming her to take command somewhere or I'm training her. That was like a my little toy in the back closet. Oh, uh, well, hmm. and you heard Picard when he asked him about it. He said, "Well, you know, I'm old and blah blah." Oh, that doesn't play well in, in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, oh. um, but my my here's my impression of Shelby. I, I absolutely hated her, and I don't think at one point throughout this show I liked her. Uh, her initial impression was aggressive unnecessarily, and I think that aggression came because she really had nothing to offer. To me, it seemed like someone who maybe passed the test with high marks or something that were was built up to be a great, great whatever, and she knew that she wasn't. So the only way she could compensate for that was to be very aggressive. Not once did she offer any great ideas. I don't Not know. Once. I'm going to push, mm-hmm. push back mm-hmm. against that a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm going to push back, too, on that. I, I didn't okay, see well, she offered to data on the modulating phaser frequency thing. What does she call it exactly? I can't remember. But in any case, I think it was a good point because it allowed them to break the tractor beam at one point in the episode. And yeah, that, and that's the same tech they you- come up with. That. <laughs> She just said it. You know what I mean? She's she's like, she just came over. You've been studying the Borg and how to defeat them for the longest. And like, you're supposed to be this great Borg specialist. And all you got is modulate. Why didn't she say that to start with? Like, what? Well, I mean, again, again, nobody has met the Borg at this point other than uh, the crew of the Enterprise. And they knew that they were going, the Borg was going to tractor beam them. And I mean, that was the first encounter. Hmm. Maybe maybe I'm looking too far into it. So so here's my question: Why was why was she the Borg specialist and not somebody on the Enterprise who actually has had contact with the Borg? Because they, supposedly she's had that's been her primary. Yeah. Remember, the Enterprise's primary goal is exploration right. and Starfleet business. Like so, yeah. they can't spare anybody to like just specifically work on the board. Well, I mean, they could have, you know, I'm sure there's an extra room somewhere that they could yeah, say, hey, well, you know, I'm sure. I mean, well, uh, well, you're, you're, 
It, it, it makes sense. They gave the information they had to the elite Starfleet people and said, okay, go figure out us a way to defeat these guys. That's kind of what they did. And Shelby was part of that team. So well, why is a person out of like, she's, she's fairly new to command. I mean, mm. probably not fairly new, but I mean, look like this would have been given to an admiral that's well versed yeah. in mm. battle tactics. You well, know what I mean? So, if so, they gave it to her, that meant that she was really, really good well, at well, something. Well, they gave the Hanson. They gave the Hanson, and she was working under Admiral Hanson. Right. I, I, right. So they gave it to Hanson, and he gave it to her, obviously because he either thought she was she was amazingly good at coming up with a plan, or he was just trying to. <laughs> okay, so so I want to make a spe- let me let me make a speculation, and I I didn't really care about this character one way or the other, but but it seems like I'm wanting to defend her, and this is what I'm coming up with. <laughs> so so I noticed that the dialogue did not hold up well from 1989, 1990 you know, whenever it was originally written to, you know, 2019. And just as I'm sure there are plenty of shows where the dialogue doesn't hold well. I agree that the dialogue came across as a little bit archaic, a little bit not very well received in the Me Too movement generation years, etc. That being said, I'm, I'm wondering, Jonathan, if some of your thoughts on her are really thoughts on him as opposed to how he said what he did. And that colored her interpretation as she's not warranted her position because he might have been taken her under his wing because of how she looked. I can see that. No, Okay, well, to no, absolutely not. That, that has nothing. I mean, that's just something I noticed, and honestly, I didn't even have that in my notes. It's just when we were sitting here watching it again, I kind of watching that specific scene. I was like, he seems pretty fresh on her, but that that didn't color my opinion. It's just she's. I mean, any any time anybody in Starfleet has been very good, very you know, it goes from Picard. I know even Riker, I know a couple of times it was mentioned that he was the same way when he first came aboard the Enterprise. Really, he wasn't. Really, he was not. Riker was nowhere near that. He was not that gung-ho. He was not that. You better believe if he had anything to do, he, he ran it up the chain first. He never did it without without consulting. Mm, I, agree, I can agree with that. So, uh, so uh, that that's just never been anybody. She was blatantly disregarding yeah. the way things happen in Starfleet to try to make up for a lack of not knowing enough about her job to get the promotion. You understand? So you're you're sitting here, you're on the Enterprise, and your goal is to have Riker's position. This is the best ship in the fleet under the best captain of the fleet and supposedly the best first officer in the fleet. What do you have to offer that would suggest that you can take his place? Absolutely nothing other than you supposed to be the expert on the board, but you have no answers right now. Well, she's so supposed you to have be- no answers on the board right now and you're ju- you're have no name for yourself. The only purpose of her being there was to push him out of the way. And how are we going to do that? We're going to make him look bad and make him look complainy. You get me? That, well, that's what I took her for. Yeah, well, she was the supposed expert on the Borg, and she had the Admiral's favor. I will agree 
that that could cause. But she has, I think she has some okay ideas as well. Now, did she do some things that are an absolute no, no? I mean, if for starters going to the planet may have pissed Riker off a little bit, but oh, the, when she went to Captain Picard's office after he told her point blank, right. no, that's when I just like, I was through with her. I was through mm-hmm. with her at that point. Like, okay. But she, she said, she even said as much when he took her to the quarters. She's like, I'm going to do everything in my power to convince Captain Picard I'm the person for the job. Oh, see, I don't, that would have been the perfect time to say, you know, I'm gonna do everything in my power to help us solve this board problem, and maybe I'll get a promotion because of it. That was but, her primary goal was to have that job. Yeah, but you want to know what? I, but 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 let me say this: I commend anybody for being as passionate, Jonathan, as you are with <laughs> with your stand on that. So so I applaud you. He's not wrong. Uh, He's, dude, the, the hate is running deep. Hate no, no, is I, real. I, 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 you know what? I, I I don't think it's hate. I think it is. You, you have an opinion and you're standing by it, and I applaud that, dude. Dude, one of my favorite moments in the episode. And if you did not catch this, please go back and freeze frame it. So when they first engage the Borg, Picard, Shelby, and Riker go yes. to their seats. If, if you can see the look on Shelby's face. When she looks over at Riker, they like hold a camera there for like a good two seconds. <laughs> she looks like she want to rip his spine out of his body. <laughs> Look, there, there was another. I thought this was where you were going, and I got this on my notes, and I thought this was just this said volumes. So when I don't know what they were looking at at the view screen, but like it was something that required the captain's attention to come up to the view screen. But Shelby went there. <laughs> yes. And then Picard kind of walks up. And he's kind of like standing there like, okay, it's time for you to move. And she doesn't. And he kind of puts his hand on her shoulder like, move. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, let's talk about the other elephant in the room. And it makes a lot of sense what Shelby said, though, may maybe through some, you know, undesired methods. Why is Riker still there? Riker is on the flagship. He has been given, he has turned down all types of commissions that we're told, including this one for the Melbourne. Why is Riker so other than being an intricate part of the show? Why is he so adamant on staying as number one and not be the captain? For this reason. He's waiting on Picard to die, so he yeah, can get Enterprise. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He wants the Enterprise. <laughs> like, at some point, Picard is going to kick the bucket or something, like, and he's going to be that guy. Right. Mm. I fully agree with that. I don't I, – I, I'm, I'm going to take it a little bit of, of, of just a little bit different way. Maybe instead of waiting for, you know, Picard to die or and he's getting the Enterprise, I saw it more so as you were comfortable in your own skin – and therefore, you just didn't want to take that next step, whatever that was. You were it, comfortable. And it could be a little bit of both because he just see, he, he seems at home on the Enterprise. But he, he kind of at some point seemed like he knows there's more he can learn from Picard. And he wants to take advantage of that as much as he can while he can. Huh. Well, it's like. And and if if you're a basketball fan, go with me here. In the '90s, there was this team called the Chicago Bulls, and there was oh. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Never Pepin. heard of them. Yeah, n- never heard of them. 
And, you know, why would Scotty leave to go play for another team when he's, like, on the best team already, you know? So, I mean, I said it to say, some people just don't have the ambition to want to be number the number one person to head honcho. Um, so, but does that make them a bad person? Because no, they because not everybody no. can be the number one person. But you know what I'm saying? Somebody has to be number two, number three, number one, number four, et cetera. There, there has to be. So I, no, I don't think that's that's wrong. But would you not, if you knew somebody that wasn't weren't utilizing their full potential, would you would you not tell them or try to coerce them into taking that leap? Mm. I, yes. I mean, I would. And if I got to give Shelby something, I, I agree with her on this one thing: the, the, the turbo lift conversation. And her last words to him was, if you don't want to make the big decisions, get out of the way of someone else who can <laughs> take it. Like, if if he's not waiting for Picard to die, it's just for the fact that he's very, like you guys have already said, he's very comfortable with where he is, and he really doesn't want that responsibility. Yeah. And it's kind of, I guess that, it's kind of what he talks to Troy about, too. True. Because, I mean, you can see he was hesitant on making the decision of whether or not to attack the board ship with a card on it, you know what I mean? Or leave him or, you know what I mean? He, he really didn't want to make that decision. He, he just really didn't want to, even though he knew what that decision would be. And, you know, I can kind of understand where that's coming from because, you know, I've been working at the same place for 20 years and everybody and customers who know me for for 20 years are like, don't you, you don't own the place yet. You know, you're not the big boss yet. I'm like, you know, I've seen what they do, what they have deal with on levels higher than mine and that's just not something i want to deal with so i'm happy where i am so i I understand that i understand that aspect interesting so uh we are here several minutes into this uh review of best both worlds which should highlight picard and we have rarely mentioned picard so i want to kind of just ask go around the horn and ask like how does this episode actually impact the life of Picard. I mean, we have some obvious reasons going forward, but um, you know, we've, we've not even talked about him. And for, and for a large part for me, even though he's like an integral part of the episode in the latter half, it seems like a Picard light episode. I mean, what do you guys think? It, it's a heavy light episode. I mean, like you said, it's all about Picard, but not really about him at all. Hmm. But isn't that the brilliance of the episode? Because it is a pivotal, Excuse me. It is a pivotal moment in the characterization of Jean-Luc Picard, and it's more about what happened to him and less about what he did. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think Kyle can probably back me up on this. He was talking about cliffhangers back in the 80s and 90s. When a character died back in the 80s or 90s, they would oftentimes spend like a whole episode about that character without ever showing or including that character. But that whole character was about the whole show was that whole episode was about that person. And that's kind of what it felt like. If that makes any, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know exactly where you're going, especially if they killed off a character, let's say at a, you know, at the finale of the previous season, you spend the next season opener explaining what the other characters are doing without that person. So in a way I get where, yeah. And I can say this similar is how they 
potentially would have reacted and been on the Enterprise without Picard because they had to say, what if he doesn't come back? Well, let's let's talk about the moment. We see where the Enterprise engages the Borg. They express a direct interest in uh, Jean-Luc Picard, calling him by name. And before we know it, they have uh, beamed aboard the bridge and, and swiped them <laughs> away pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, I, I love seeing war fight on the bridge. It's just like the best thing. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but <laughs> what are our thoughts on the moment? And I want to ask you guys, like, maybe Cal can remember, but how did you feel when you first either knew about or saw this moment of Picard as uh, Lacutus of Borg? Bleep. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I can remember thinking like, okay, what, uh, what? I mean, cause I didn't know what, you know, I had not read in TV guide. I didn't know what was happening, had no idea what was about to happen. And my first thought was kind of like what I alluded to at the beginning. He's leaving the show. Hmm. Interesting. Cause think about uh, it. They, they built um, really, really quick. They built the Borg up to be such a bad group of people that the assumption was he wasn't going to be saved. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and ooh, <laughs> that half turn, that half turn, just iconic, man. Yeah. You see him, and you think everything might be okay, and then just that reveal is just amazing. <laughs> Amazing, dude. I, I, but you know, I could, I see, I can see where Cal get like. If we didn't know there were more seasons after the fact, and we were watching it serialized, like you would get to that episode, and I'm thinking at that point, I'm thinking, hey, season four, episode one is probably going to be the end. Like, like they're going to defeat the board, Card will be lost, and that'll be the end of. Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. I mean, especially like that, this, this episode builds to an end to me. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially they made all this kerfuffle about Riker becoming captain. And then, oh, no, this happens right. conveniently. <laughs> He's thrust into uh, to be the captain. So, yeah, I can see I can definitely see that happening or feeling that at the time. I mean, maybe we should have done some research. I should have researched a little bit. And, like, what were the writers' thoughts on this? I mean, were they unsure of a continuation past? Like, maybe they were thinking they would be renewed past four? Or do we have a change in writing? Or? Huh. I, I think the original intent was always seven seasons. Um, but who knows? I, I don't know the details surrounding the, the beginning of the fourth. So, and plus, it, the fourth yeah. came out, came back pretty quickly. Uh, this ended in May and this started back in September of the same, same year. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure they would, they knew that the, the show would keep going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but it might, there's just such a finality to this that you just kind of like you're done with it. Yeah. Oh, my, wow. In my opinion, it's all summed up perfectly in the Wharf data Riker conversation when they get back to the ship. <laughs> Nothing beats freaking war's reaction. The captain. We were unable to retrieve him, sir. The captain has been altered by the Borg. Altered? He is a Borg. 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 is, go back and watch the scene. It's how he says it. But so freaking true. So freaking true. And then, of course, Lacutus uh, threatens the Enterprise. And, and, you know, I just talked about on our Titans review about a cliffhanger done wrong. And, and this is certainly a different time in television where, you know, the seasons were pretty consistent, you know, start uh, in, in spring, start back in fall. But, uh, this freaking cliffhanger, man, I don't know if I've seen a better one in television, period. Wow. When, when Riker just said, when, when Riker says fire, <laughs> and then it goes to to be continued. And oh no, you're not going to get the next episode next week. You have to wait several months until the show comes back for the next season. We would be livid if that livid, livid, livid if that happened today. Cause oh, we're, yeah. cause we're so used to a season semi wrapping up by the end with, you know, I guess with streaming and how it's shorter episodes. If that happened today, I don't think we'd, 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 uh, be too happy. No, not at all. And we'd be scouring the internet looking for spoilers. They won't have text. <laughs> Man, I do the same thing with Dragon Ball Super every Saturday night. Dude, the su- <clears throat> Super is over already. <laughs> Not on Cartoon Network. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, you're watching the... the anyway, <laughs> we digress. Um, what do you guys think of the fact that now the Borg knows everything Picard knows? Because that's something I didn't really think about before, but it's a pretty, pretty smart concept. Hmm. Any thoughts? So I got a question. How did they know to get Picard? I guess from the original meeting with no, because Q took him in the future, right? No, no, no. Yeah, I would. I would say that's well. All right, I would say two things. Number one, they knew of Picard from their encounter, which it wasn't the future. He just like thrust them like twenty light year, twenty thousand light years away. So they knew of Picard. Secondly, they they um assimilated the planet whatever i forget the name of it in at the beginning of this episode and uh we know that once they assimilate somebody they get their memories right so, right so, that makes sense yeah so at that point like oh we need to get the the leader of the flagship <laughs> that turned out to be picard so which is uh, and i want to go back to another question i've had that i made a note about i don't think i've ever seen the borg destroy an entire city like that. You know what I mean? Like their goal has never been really destruction unless they were fighting or defending themselves. Unless there was resistance. Or there was resistance. Like they they assimilated everybody. Why blow up the entire you know what I mean? Well, we have two instances of in these two episodes of total annihilation. <laughs> that planet and also a wolf three five yeah, nine. But then they were defending themselves, so they had no choice. Like, somebody was shooting at them, they were going to shoot back and destroy them. Uh, but they went to this planet and obviously assimilated the inhabitants and the technology. Why blow it up? Yeah, I mean, I think that may be part of their lore that they're still working on at this point. Because right. uh, uh, Picard or Locutus very distinctly tells Data that you will be obsolete. And in my mind, I was thinking, like, why don't they try to assimilate data? Because he's technology. He's probably the most advanced technology right. in the Federation right now. 
Yeah. That would make a lot of sense because he would have the exact knowledge of everything in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I saw that. I'm like, oh, they must still be working on the lore a bit. But, you know, that's fine. Again, this is very, very early on. So um, I, I, I give that a pass because it's so early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I guess it kind of skews your view when we kind of watch, like Jeremy said earlier, you kind of watch the Borg and Voyager. And then you come back here, it's kind of hard to be objective. Yeah, I mean, all of the elements are still here. That's why they've lasted that long. But still, you know, once you've seen like, because to me, Voyager is like the peak, is peak Borg. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially what they did with Jerry Ryan slash 7 and 9 in that series. And coming back here, you know, you're still at the early stages. And, oh, man. That scene in this two-parter where Picard is being assimilated, and then they have that one long tear come down his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was uh... no. <laughs> that that was a bit. That was some dramatic stuff there, man. I don't. Oh man, I wonder what like what was was he resisting? I guess he would have to be. Yeah, I think it was showing him trying or attempting to resist. So. Speaking of Wolf 359, did anybody besides me just wonder what Cisco was doing amongst all of this kerfuffle? I did. Uh, <laughs> that was when they when they said Wolf 359, I was like, Cisco, I got to figure out where he was. Yeah, when I was looking at the, out of the, the wreckage and figuring out yeah. which one he was in. Yeah, that hmm. that made me want to go back and watch that episode again. <laughs> Was he on? I thought he was. I thought he was on a. Wasn't he on a space station? I don't know or a ship. I no, can't, I don't, he was on a ship. It was, it was all ships. Ship. It was all ships. Was no, it, I don't. I think it was a space station there, but he was on on a ship. Well, they mentioned Melbourne. They mentioned two other ships, which I, which I didn't write down. The Yo Show and uh, sound like they said Toy Story, but it wasn't. <laughs> Probably <laughs> Toy Story, yeah, Toy Story or something like that, and the OEO show and the Melbourne. But the Melbourne, Melbourne was the one the Admiral was on, which the one Cisco was on. He ended up taking command of that one briefly hmm. because the captain and the first officer were dead. Uh, it's a good thing that I don't know. That requires a quick Google, maybe. So where what where is Wolf three five nine in relation to Earth? Well, according That's, to isn't my, that like the closest star? Yeah, according, to Earth? you're right, Jeremy. According to my ancillary search here, uh, <laughs> is named in the star chart <laughs> of a stellar neighborhood with Soul at the center. So it's somewhere around the Soul system or quadrant zero uh, zero one, or was it quadrant? No section. What do they call it? Sections? Uh, no. Uh, Keep me honest here. Uh, I would say you, you've already used up uh, all the knowledge I have right there in that zero, one answer. Uh, so. Sector. 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 Zero, 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 there we zero, go. Zero, zero, that sounds right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, huh. yeah, I should know more about Wolf 359, really. <laughs> okay. So, on a quick Google search, Google search, memory alpha, of course, um, Cisco was on the USS Saratoga. Saratoga, we should remember that because that sounds so familiar now. And they don't yeah. mention the Saratoga in this. Uh, no, they don't. Well, the Saratoga probably didn't come to after <laughs> after all this in in canon, right? 
Mm-hmm. Well, no. I mean, I show us show a picture. So Saratoga looks vaguely like the, the original Enterprise, but then the sails are like tucked under the ship. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you know, I can very well see the Borg ship taking down the Enterprise defenses and grabbing Picard, but Riker assigns a special mission to Worf. <laughs> to go aboard the Borg ship and get Captain Picard back. Now, a, a very, a very, a very good mission that he should be going on. Yes. But how he actually gets Picard back just seems a little too easy to me. And I don't mean to like trash the episode, but, <laughs> but it was just too, too easy. This dude is supposed to be your li- liaison to the Federation people, uh, uh, from the board to the Federation people, and they just go and like swipe them with very little fanfare. Well, I guess they have to do the whole saucer so, trickery thing, but still, I mean, so you, you know, I, I I experienced the same thing watching it. So like when it happened, and he went and grabbed this board and transported. In my mind, I was like, why did he just transport around the board? What are they doing? <laughs> like it just never occurred to me that Picard was standing right there. Yeah, like just right there in the open. Was right. until, um, like why would he? I'm, I'm with you. Like if this is your linchpin to taking over Sector Zero Zero One, he shouldn't be just standing in the hallway <laughs> <laughs> with three Borg around him. <laughs> right. But at the same time, the way we know Borg consciousness goes, like everything has a priority. And what's more important, I mean, they're fighting two different ships here, and there's some uh, warp plasma flares going off, and maybe a shuttle flew in somewhere, and they're already occupied. So I could see how that would happen, but uh, like you said, it, I did that did stick out to me was I didn't really notice that was Picard that he ran grabbed and transported off. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it just seemed a little easy. So it seemed like when they grabbed him, they gave they gave him some kind of shot, some kind of hyperspray. Like, why couldn't they have used that later on, like in Voyager and stuff like that, when they were fighting the Borg, just hyperspray all of them? Because yeah. that just seemed pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. And probably something that should be shared with others. <laughs> I'm sure they built a defense, but... I mean, Shelby could have, you know, Shelby could have gone back as the Borg, not the Borg note all, but like, hey, we subdued them with this hyperspray. Well, she's got her command of the ship. She's just screwed. keep it available, just in case. I mean, uh, that so, was weird. So, so let's just go ahead and skip to the last act, which, <laughs> which <laughs> I think it might not be the. <laughs> okay, so they make this um, grand scheme to use data to well let me first say this Riker is confident that they can turn Picard back and use his knowledge of the Borg as the Borg used Picard's knowledge of the Federation to defeat the Borg and they come up with this plan after not being able to get through through to him through you know normal human conversation to use data to patch into um um patch into Lakuta's of Borg and try to figure out what's going on and get to them and possibly turn them so they can stop the attack on earth. 
any thoughts on this grand idea? Was it a good idea? And what about the execution of it? Was it did the last act fall short because of this uh, to you guys? Because quite frankly, for me, it kind of it was needed to it had to be done because they had to explore bringing Picard back. But to me, this is the part where the episode kind of fell flat for me. What about you guys? Um, honestly, I liked it. I didn't have much of an issue with it. Uh, other than, of course, I think we all have an issue with the outcome. But I think the idea was solid. Uh, I didn't understand the whole three-phased attempt. You know what I mean? Data was trying at level one, and there was nothing. level. Like, why didn't we just start with level three and just go at it? But... I don't know. I mean, that, to me, I don't think I could have seen that going any other way. Hmm. Any thoughts, Jeremy? None that are coherent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's look, I've watched a lot of Voyager and I've seen a lot of Borg plots go up and down <laughs> sideways. <laughs> so, uh, I, mean, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, man. You just sometimes just have to sit back and just enjoy it for what it is. And try not to pull it apart too much. You know, it's fitting that uh, it's fitting that this obsolete technology that the board so-called is the one that <laughs> they're undoing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just weird that they would say data was obs- will be obsolete very soon. Weird. Right. Kyle, uh, what do you think about the whole scheme to separate Picard from the board? You know what? I really thought that it was kind of weird but 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 it kind of weird but kind of worked i i think they wrote it into a good cliffhanger but on the same note they had to then kind of undo some of the badness that i was referring to earlier for the borg because ultimately you're bringing him you know you're saying well now he's lacutus of the borg and then you're bringing him back out of it but but here was something that i kind of never understood why wasn't he just borg seven of 5500 not you know i mean but why why did they give him a name lacutus i never understood that Hmm. well they originally said they chose him number one because they believe that the Terran species responded better to an authoritarian system and they felt like a face with a name would ah. would translate their intentions better to the people. Mm, that makes now, sense. Now, why the board cared about that, I don't know. But well, I also think it was early into the um, Borg character building yeah. and they haven't quite got to the hive mind and the uh, Borg queen yet. Hmm. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah, though though they do mention some some things that I guess I guess probably were mentioned in Q Who as well. They mentioned the um, uh, what do they call them? The the sensor node things, the Borg nodes. They mentioned those right. in this episode. Uh, they mentioned something else too that's kind of core to the Borg. But I, I agree with Jeremy that they're still kind of, and we've talked about it earlier that they're kind of still working out some of the kinks <laughs> in the lore of the Borg. So. So yeah, that's understandable. So they said that that data was a uh, was obsolete, but wasn't like 
in the movie First Contact, weren't they purposely trying to get data because of what he knows? Well, maybe they know the folly of their mistake in this episode. And by the time the Borg and the Enterprise crew are sent back <laughs> to uh, First Contact moment, uh, maybe by then they know that they need data. That makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's a future episode of TNG, and we'll probably won't, we'll never talk about because it it's a data specific episode. But they they have another encounter with the Borg, and I think he experiences anger. I don't know if he had that emotion chip by the end or not, but because of that anger, he realizes that he can overpower the Borg, like physically. So like the board swings at him and he catches his arm and he's like, no, no, no. And he's like pushing his arm back and then he like breaks his arm off. So he goes to the holodeck and create a simulation of this board and he keeps doing it and he keeps making the board stronger and stronger and stronger. And he keeps defeating him over and over and over. And it's getting to the point it's really easy and he's just frustrated. He can't get mad anymore. But I mean, at that point, I think it's kind of known then that data is stronger than the board. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. So a few things before we kind of wrap this thing up. We have the command that Data sent um, to the Borg <laughs> ship, which is to sleep? Regenerate? Really? <laughs> is that, that, that's how we defeat the Brit? Oh, listen, it, it's weird. When you say sleep, it makes it sound very... Okay. Yeah. Like, like he he... If I can say it like this and make it sound really cool. He hacked into their system and initiated a full-blown regeneration request. Hey, that sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds way less hokey than... Because of that request, all the board were forced to go back into their regeneration alcoves. And because no one was left to run the ship, the system automatically determined that they were incapacitated and, and initiated a self-destruct sequence. So genius on board's part. I mean, on data's part. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. Wow. But he really did just put them to sleep. I'm going to have you write my next resume. <laughs> Yeah, I like the detailed explanation you just gave. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I have to point this out. If anybody of you, any of you guys are The Last Jedi fans or haters, be what it may, um, people know about this particular move called the hall door maneuver, where she goes to light speed and goes through one of the, um, it's not, it's not the Empire, whatever they call them in, in The Last Jedi. The ships. Star Destroyer? Yeah, yeah, the Star Destroyer ships and, uh, the, the New Order, whatever they call it. And, yeah. and she destroys it by going to light speed by going through the ship. There's a similar moment in this episode, and I don't know if they got it from this episode or maybe some other science fiction lore out there, where Riker instructed Ensign Crusher to lay a collision course and be prepared to go to warp. So I, yes. think, I think that's freaking cool because it's pretty much what they do in The Last Jedi. So I thought that was pretty awesome because every other time I've seen them do a collision course has been at impulse speeds. So I just thought that was freaking amazing that they mentioned this. I, you know, thing. I think they've done that a few times in Stargate, too. Really? So is that the maneuver that Lacutus slash Picard said when he woke up on the sick bay? He, he said he told number one that... Uh, Picard would have never approved of the something maneuver. 
Huh, I don't even remember him saying it. <laughs> I might yeah, have to go back I'm and watch that. <laughs> I didn't think. I mean, I I don't remember that. From I mean, I do remember it after he said something from. Oh last no, 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 no! I never he, made the connection. Yeah, he he was saying that. I think he was saying that uh, he would have never approved going. Oh to, yeah, going to pick. Him yeah, up. going yeah, to get him. Yeah, pick him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got gotcha. you. Um. Lastly, I just want to talk on like how does this affect Picard going forward? Uh, it's kind of obvious <laughs> it was going to affect him in some ways, as we see in that last scene when he's standing in in his ready room and looking peering out the window. So, anybody have any thoughts on how it may affect him going forward, and how it might even affect the Picard series that's coming up, since we know it's going to be Borg heavy. Mm. Well, you know, in the one of the opening scenes in the Star Trek First Contact, when they when there's a Borg presence in the Federation space, they send Picard to the other side, like pretty much as far away possible from <laughs> the Borg, for fear of him being reassimilated, yeah. or they communicating with him. Yeah. Mm. So I like the fact that it ended very. Calmly, it ended very quietly, and it ended more of an introspective. He's looking, and more so of what I saw that is he's thinking about himself less than, you know, what does this mean for the Federation? It's, you know, he's he's having a quiet moment with himself after having been connected with all these billions or millions or however many of them that was in that collective. And what does that do to a person? And I think the answer to that is kind of what Clarence you hinted at, which was we may find that out in 2020 or whenever the new Picard series, you know, finally drops. And I mean, it's it's certainly been explored in like, like Jeremy mentioned the movies and even some of the upcoming episodes in the next episode, we're going to review home. It's definitely explored. Uh, but, but yeah, it definitely is going to affect them going forward. And uh, it makes me excited to see what spin they're going to put in, put on it in, in the Picard series, uh, going forward. Cause they have explored this a lot with his character. Expe- I think of the, uh, the, the Moby Dick moment in the, uh, first contact movie. You son of a bitch. This really isn't the time. Everybody out there thinks that staying here and fighting the Borg is suicide. They're just afraid to come in here and say it. The crew is accustomed to following my orders. They're probably accustomed to your orders making sense. None of them understand the Borg as I do. Six years ago, they assimilated me into their collective. I had their cybernetic devices implanted throughout my body. I was linked to the hive mind. Every trace of individuality erased. I was one of them. So you can imagine, my dear, I have a somewhat unique perspective on the Borg, and I know how to fight them. It's so simple. The Borg hurt you, and now you're going to hurt them back. In my century, we don't succumb to revenge. We have a more evolved sensibility. Bullshit! I saw the look on your face when you shot those Borg on the holodeck. You were almost enjoying it! Get out! Off what? You'll kill me? I don't have time for this. Oh, hey! I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your little quest. Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale. This is not about revenge. Liar! This is about saving the future of humanity! Jean-Luc, blow up the damn ship! No! No! 
It, but it's it's because he has a vendetta against the Borg in that movie. So um, yeah, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, it's very integral to his character. What are you gonna say, John? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I mean, you pretty much said what I was gonna say. It's you know, I I think that it's. You see a lot. Of, it's hard to say because you've seen the series, but I think on our next episode, we'll dive into pretty deeply into the effects of what happens to Picard after this Borg incident. Uh, but I think it's going to I think it cast a lot of doubt. I'm like like that peer out of the, the window of the ready room. Like to me, I see him like a lot of doubt. And I don't know if it's his ability or his future, or, you know, whether or not it's his fault or not his fault. And I think he'll deal with it for a long time from here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my question is, where do, where does Riker go from here? Oh, man, that is the question. Because, I mean, as much as this episode is about Picard, well, this episode kind of happens to Picard. It's not really, <laughs> he doesn't really do anything, but it just happens to him in this episode. But to me, this episode is very much about Riker as well. Right. And, and that, he's been promoted, a field promotion to captain. I mean, do they just take that back? They well, pre- yeah, obviously, kind of, don't they? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. But I mean, I didn't, why? I mean, you. Well, I mean, you have this excellent actor for this show. <laughs> You're not going to get rid of him. <laughs> it's it's a problem. It's a problem. Um, man, it's it's kind of I I think it's sort of a similar problem that if we want to talk about discovery, that discovery has to where you have these characters that have these huge arcs and are doing so many awesome things. I think of. Um, George O or think of some of the characters that we saw from season two that we know aren't going into season three, that it kind of makes you, it kind of makes you squirm a little bit. Cause you're like, Oh, they were awesome. You know, but they're not, they're just gone because they're not a part of the story anymore. And I feel like, I feel like in today's TV streaming atmosphere, we are more willing to, no matter how important that actor is, we we're more willing to not let that, affect the outcome of the story you know i blame a lot of that on game of thrones yeah oh yeah oh heck yeah (laughs) yeah i think people kind of crave that now since game of thrones like people kind of like when i when i first started and of course i didn't watch it when i first started but like that was the biggest problem with game of thrones oh my god they killed off the main character like that everybody was in uproar on the first season and then it became kind of like a niche thing like this this is why we're watching it. They'll get you built up and kill this guy off. It's so awesome. Yeah. But but see, I think that goes back to tying in what both of you two just said. And it is just a natural progression of how television itself and our entertainment, let's just get away from television. Because Well, no, no, no. In 20, I mean, in 1989, 1990, when this aired, there was not streaming. We did not have that, you know, and that type of content didn't happen because this is what TV was. You had your three or four channels. Some people had cable, but not a lot. And then here we are, you know, 20, whatever blah years later. I just think that I, the, the, 
way the story is told is different. Not necessarily, you know, get, you know the the story. Well, yeah, the way the story is told is different. I yeah. guess is where I'm going. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's so funny because not only does Riker remain hit the number one throughout the remainder of this show, they go on to do several movies. And he's still in the same position. <laughs> now, now we know in book lore, and I think even maybe he may have popped up on Voyager, maybe. No, he popped up on Enterprise. But, um. He, he was on Voyager for an episode, but he was. Yeah. He was still number one. Yeah, but, but even in the movies, he's still number one. But I know he goes on to be the captain of the Titan, I believe, after he leaves the Enterprise in. Right. In book lore after the last movie. So yeah. it's just weird that you have such a character that you built up so much, but he doesn't move on. And even some of the other characters we see from, I know Jordy becomes a captain in the, one of my favorite episodes, Timeless, which is way in the future from Voyager's. Right. And you see from yeah, time to yeah. time, other characters going to different positions. So I, I always find that uh, rewarding when I do see it, but it does have, does not happen a lot on TNG. I, I will say that Worf, we got to see a lot of growth in Worf as you look to see where he ended up on DS9. And there are a few characters we see that can grow like that. Um, but Chief when you O'Brien. Had, yeah, Chief O'Brien as well. And so, you know there was an episode that went to the future and Beverly Crusher was the commander of a ship. Yep. She was the captain. Yep, yep, true. true. She made a pretty good captain in that episode too. Cool. Yeah. But not Ensign Kim. <laughs> don't hate on you say Ensign Kim? Yeah. No don't hate on Ensign Kim, man. Look, I'm just saying there was one episode where he's made a captain captain and he aborted that timeline. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Timeless is the best Voyager episode by far, so don't hate. Even then he didn't get he didn't even then he didn't get above Ensign. <laughs> don't he hate. He kicked man. out of the Federation. Yeah, I gotta <sighs> go there. Don't hate. <laughs> have to get the seventh ocular implant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we are ready to wrap this thing up. Any final thoughts before we get out of here and uh and move on to something else? Any final thoughts on the episode? And if not, we'll go around the horn and see what everybody's been working on, podcast related or otherwise, or maybe what you're watching, what show you're into. Let's start with Jonathan Shorts. What are you into, man? What's going on? Um, not a thing, man. Not a thing. Absolutely nothing on TV. This is the part of the year where all of the shows are in, and we're waiting on the other fall shows to begin. So, kind of in a lull about that. Uh, what am I watching? NFL is on. Cowboys are doing great this year. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Boys. So that's what I'm excited about. Them boys. <laughs> what about you, Jeremy? I got. Nothing. He's I a just, Cincinnati Bengals fan, so of course he has nothing. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, if we win, that's great. If we lose, that's usual. Come on, man. We got to pep up our shout outs, man. We got to at least seem interesting. <laughs> look, look, I, look. I know, I know my team. I, I, I've made peace with that years ago. <laughs> All right, Kyle Jones. Well, what are you working on, podcast later? Otherwise, sir. All right. Well, I will point anyone who is listening to DiscussingNetwork.com that has all of the other shows that Clarence and I can be found on. Cool, cool. 
And also, uh, as I say, always check us out on any of the social medias at Discussing Trek. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube as well as subscribe to the podcast feed and hitting us on the social media networks and uh, email at fans at DiscussingTrek.com. We really appreciate your feedback. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on earth and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at relativitypodcast.com. Hello, CDC.